to the Vitality Radio Podcast, your source for the truth about health, wellness, and real alternatives to drugs, surgeries, and the status quo of healthcare. Here, you'll find information that empowers you to take control of your health. But it's not just about health and wellness, it's about the politics of healthcare and protecting your health freedom. Now, here's your host, Jared St. Clair. Hello and welcome to Vitality Radio. I'm your host each and every week. My name is Jared St. Clair and it's good to be with you on another episode of Vitality Radio and the Vitality Radio Podcast. Today's show is pretty exciting. In fact, this, boy, I hesitate to say this, we're almost 12 years in and I've been debating whether or not I should say this because it might sound like hyperbole, but I'm going to say it. I may be sharing with you the most exciting discovery I've ever made in herbs since I started doing this show. And this discovery is not totally new. I've known about it for a while, but I just recently started educating myself on it in a more deep way. In fact, by recently, I mean this week, as I decided to dive deeper into the research. I had read Lots of headlines, a couple of articles, but I'd never actually dug into the actual research papers and studies, and I am really, really glad I did, and frankly, kicking myself for not having done it sooner. So I'm going to provide you with some information that has to do with your cardiovascular wellness primarily, but a lot to do with blood sugar. If you're pre-diabetic, diabetic, diabetic, have diabetes running in your family, if you've got heart disease or concerned about heart disease, If you are dealing with high blood pressure, cholesterol issues, the show we're going to talk about, uh, or the herb we're going to talk about, and a few other uh, things that I'm going to talk about in terms of lifestyle are going to be very powerful bits of information for you. Now, of course, whenever I do a show, almost whenever I do a show, I have to get a few things off my chest. Now, in this time of crisis with this COVID-19 thing that's been going on for the last two months or so, seems like two years. I have talked a lot about COVID. And I've talked about uh, a lot of different angles. I've tried to take it from a different place every week so that we're not just rehashing the same stuff. Today, I'm going to talk about misinformation. And that will be the topic of the morning rant. In a world full of often confusing messages about health, let Jared be your guide through the smoke screens of corporate greed, media bias, government ineptitude, and propaganda. When you see what is really happening, you'll be ranting too. It's time to expose the hidden agendas. It's time for the truth. It's time for the vital rant. All right. Yeah, it's time to rant. And I promise I'm not going to talk about COVID after the rant. This is going to be it on today's show. I've talked a lot about it over the last little while. I don't know if you're sick of hearing about it. I might be a little sick of talking about it, but whenever something comes up, I will bring it to you because it is the most powerful health news of the day or the most prevalent anyway. And uh, so I definitely don't want to ignore it. Today's rant is about misinformation. What is misinformation? Now, you hear me use the word propaganda a lot on Vitality Radio. In fact, it's even burned into the uh, introduction of the show, the rant, things like that. 
I think it's an important word because it reminds us of times gone by where propaganda went horribly wrong and caused a lot of problems for freedoms uh, of uh, certain people. And it is alive and well in America today. And there are a lot of forms of propaganda. But one of the most powerful forms, I think, is the uh, ability that media and corporations and government have to confuse the consumer as to what is true and what is not true just by simply calling certain things misinformation and then routinely pointing them back to the same old places to get the true information. In the case of COVID, those places are your local health department and your governor's website and the CDC and so on. They want to continue to push us back there, point, point, point that way. It's gotten to the point where YouTube, Google, uh, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, they're all blocking things that they think are misinformation or at least that they claim are misinformation. And it's very, very hard to get all the information. It has become quite clear that the government is convinced that we are stupid and uh, ignorant. And I think they would like to keep us that way because they want to hide all the other stuff out there that might actually open our eyes to some of the truth that they aren't telling us. And as long as the public is ignorant, then they can kind of tell us what they want us to know and tell us that what they don't want us to know is fake. So what is misinformation? I'm going to read from an article that just came out yesterday on vitamin D. This was a uh, legitimate study uh, that's been published and it is, uh, I don't think it's misinformation. It looks real. We have real researchers from real places doing this research. I'm going to read it to you and you tell me if it's misinformation. A new study has found an association between low average levels of vitamin D and high numbers of COVID-19 cases and mortality rates across 20 European countries. Previous observational studies have reported an association between low levels of vitamin D and susceptibility to acute respiratory tract infections. Vitamin D modulates the response of white blood cells, preventing them from releasing too many inflammatory cytokines. The COVID-19 virus is known to cause an excess of pro-inflammatory cytokines. Okay, so let's just take that sentence right there, two sentences, I guess, that paragraph where it says that in previous observational studies, it's been reported that there's association between low levels of vitamin D and susceptibility to acute respiratory tract infections. During this rant, I'm going to point back to that uh, type of information often because we, with COVID, it is treated as if we have no idea how to handle a virus of any kind. Like it, first time this has ever happened, and yet we do have lots of things that we've previously discovered with other viruses and infections that can help us understand COVID better. So we already knew that vitamin D was probably effective against other types of respiratory tract infections. Now they're saying maybe that's the case with COVID as well. Italy and Spain have both experienced high COVID mortality rates, and the new study shows that both countries have lower average vitamin D levels than most Northern European countries. This is partly because people in Southern Europe, particularly the elderly, avoid strong sun, 
while skin pigmentation also reduces natural vitamin D synthesis. The highest average levels of vitamin D are found in Northern Europe due to the consumption of cod liver oil and vitamin D supplements and possibly less sun avoidance. Scandinavian nations are among the countries with the lowest number of COVID-19 cases and mortality rates per head of population in Europe. The researcher says, we found a significant crude relationship between average vitamin D levels and the number of COVID-19 cases, and particularly COVID-19 mortality rates per head of population across these 20 countries. Vitamin D has been shown to protect against acute respiratory infections, and older adults, the group most deficient in vitamin D, are also the ones most seriously affected by COVID-19. Now, a previous study found that 75% of people in institutions, such as hospitals and care homes, were severely deficient in vitamin D, which makes sense because they're probably not getting it as a supplement and they're certainly not seeing the sun. We suggest it would be advisable to perform dedicated studies looking at vitamin D levels in COVID-19 patients and different degrees of disease severity. Okay, so does that sound like fake news or misinformation? Does that sound like something that is of uh, no use to people that are concerned about COVID-19. That study is not on the CDC's website. I didn't actually see it even on MSNBC or CBS or NBC or ABC or you name it, CNN, so on and so forth. Now, it may be out there. That's not where I found it. I actually found it in a newsletter that goes out to health food stores. Uh, it is a legitimate study done by researchers that are, uh, you know, doctors and scientists, and it is looking like it's going to be published as well, from what I understand. But it didn't get big headlines, and I don't know why. You can draw your own conclusions there. Is it conclusive? No, it's not conclusive. We don't know that vitamin D prevents or lessens the severity of COVID nineteen, but there is evidence that it might, right? Uh, Is it potentially helpful information? Absolutely. What's the worst that could happen if everybody started taking vitamin D or getting more sun? Well, they'd be healthier because vitamin D we know increases health and well-being in many, many ways, including its benefits against viruses. So that's not bad, right? That's helpful information. Is it harmful information? Are people going to suddenly get sick because they're taking too much vitamin D or getting too much sun? Not likely. It's very, very, very difficult to get too much vitamin D. It does happen in rare cases, but not typically. And so what we have here is a very, very interesting bit of information that I think has a lot of value. And yet it's not on your public health department's site. It's not on the CDC's website, and it's not getting a lot of publicity elsewhere. This is just one of dozens of examples I've brought to you over the last couple of months regarding possible preventative measures against COVID-19. So where am I going with this? Well, I watched and then read an article from KSL News in Salt Lake City this week. It said, there is more and more information about the efforts to find ways to prevent, cure, and treat the coronavirus. We also see misinformation circulating with people calling, claiming certain things will prevent contracting the disease. Eating garlic will prevent it. Using your phone while connected to a 5G tower will cause it. These are things we hear either on social media or otherwise about the coronavirus. But is there any supporting science behind these claims? I want to bring that line to your attention. Is there any supporting science behind these claims? 
And then she goes on to say, let's clear up some of the most common myths. Oh, I love the word myth. Myth, it's so used so well by the propagandists among us because it immediately discounts people the same way as calling somebody a conspiracy theorist does. And so she says, let's clear up some of the most common myths that are floating around out there. Although some of these remedies can be convincing, she says, they will not, N-O-T, prevent becoming infected with COVID-19. And here they are, taking a hot bath, adding pepper to your soup or other meals, using a hot air hand dryer, introducing bleach or other disinfectants into your body. Drinking lots of water will not flush out the virus. It will keep you hydrated, and that has many health benefits, but preventing coronavirus is not one of them. Rinsing your nose with saline, garlic, vitamin C, and essential oils. Taking medications prescribed for other diseases. Exposing yourself to the sun or excessive heat will not prevent coronavirus. There are some studies that show that the half-life of the virus may not live as long on surfaces in this environment, but it won't prevent the spread. Now, a lot of very definitive words there. Will not, won't, cannot. These are words that are used as absolutes. So, my job at Vitality Radio, the way I see it, is to give you the best information that I can come up with from the best sources that I can find, and then let you figure it out. So while I spread information about possible options in the fight against COVID-19 and other viruses, I have never spoken out against hand washing. Why? Because to me, logically, washing your hands is a smart way to wash away potential harmful germs. What have I spoken out against? Well, I've questioned social distancing. Why? because we have no evidence that it actually works. But I've never said, don't do it. It does not prevent coronavirus. I don't know if it prevents coronavirus or not. I don't think it's necessarily harmful in the short term, but the long-term ideas of social distancing being a new norm, yeah, I have real problems with that. I've spoken about wearing masks. Why? Well, because there's little evidence that most masks actually help. And there is no good evidence that asymptomatic people can infect other people, even though Anthony Fauci has told us that that's the case. I also have concerns about the safety of mask wearing. There have been instances of children fainting while running track. In two cases, they dropped dead wearing masks while running. Cases of people driving and crashing while wearing a mask. Lots of people wearing masks incorrectly. But even wiping out the poorly thought out ways that some people are utilizing masks, there are some other legitimate reasons why masks can be harmful, such as oxygen deprivation. However, I have never said that the proper use of masks is a bad thing and will not prevent coronavirus. Why don't I discourage the use of preventative measures that aren't within the scope of my expertise? Simple. I don't know exactly what prevents COVID-19. So what do you do when you don't have proof? You go to the evidence. That's what you do have. That evidence comes from historical use of measures to prevent previous illnesses, and particularly viruses. We have loads of evidence of things that have successfully, successfully been used to both prevent and treat viruses over the last many decades. Why shouldn't we use that knowledge? 
coronavirus is being treated like it's some sort of alien invasion, like we have never seen a virus before, and therefore we have no idea how to fight it. That is simply not the case. So, for the mass media, for you at CNN and CNBC and MSNBC and KSL and all the other mass media outlets out there, let's dumb this down for you. I have a house. That's me, Jared St. Clair. I chose to buy a house in Bountiful, Utah. Why? Well, lots of reasons. One, I grew up there in this house. But what else was alluring about it? I know that it's a pretty safe neighborhood. Well, it being a safe neighborhood, I often leave my doors unlocked. Lately, my garage door has been malfunctioning and not closing correctly. I come home after a day at work and the garage door is open when I could have sworn I closed it. So far, I'm not missing anything. That's pretty cool. Says a lot about where I live. I would say I'm in a low-risk situation, for theft or break-ins at least. However, I do have bolt locks on both of my doors, and all of my windows are capable of being locked. I typically close the garage door, and I have a side door on that garage that's also locked. Why? Well, it's better safe than sorry. The thing is, I know for a fact that these preventative measures may not prevent my home from being burglarized. However, I also know that they do enhance my safety and security and give me a greater sense of calm. So, what are some other things I could do to protect my home and family? I could install a security uh, system. I could install security cameras. I could buy a safe and store all of my valuables inside. I could buy more guns. I could install bulletproof glass. I could bar the windows. I could put up a 12-foot electric fence with razor wire at the top. I could get rabid dogs to patrol the front and backyard. I could hire an ex-Special Forces sniper with severe PTSD and have him sit on the roof. I could set booby traps with strings tied to shotgun triggers. I could dig a moat complete with alligators inside. You may have noticed that some of the measures I've suggested may be a little extreme, and in some cases, they may cause more harm than they prevent. So now let's compare my list to a very similar list of quote-unquote preventative measures for COVID-19 that KSL released. In their report, they suggested that the following measures will not prevent COVID-19. Taking a hot bath. Okay, where does this come from? Well, there's two reasons why taking a hot bath is something that's been suggested on social media. One is we know that heat does kill the virus. It appears it doesn't live very well above 80 degrees. A hot bath would certainly be above 80 degrees. And we also know that staying clean is a good thing. So will taking a hot bath prevent coronavirus? Well, it could, right? If you had coronavirus on your skin and you took a hot bath, would it kill it? Probably. Would it wash it off? Probably. So that's not a totally absurd suggestion to take a hot bath. Why is KSL saying, don't take a hot bath? It won't prevent coronavirus. You got me. How about adding pepper to your soup or other meals? I don't know where this one comes from, and I would say probably not all that useful. Harmful? No. Could it help? I don't know. Maybe. Would it make your food taste better? If you like your food a little spicier, yes. Another one that I have no idea why KSL is wasting our time with. Using hot air hand dryers. Same idea. Maybe it helps. It might. Heat seems to be 
something that can be used against coronavirus. Should we not use hot air hand dryers? Is that bad for us in some way? Well, I suppose if you have dry skin, it might dry them out a little bit more. Is it going to be dangerous? No. Another waste of my time. Thank you, KSL. Introducing bleach or other disinfectants into your body. These are poisonous if ingested. Now, this one compares well with me digging a moat with gators or having a sniper on my roof. Probably not a good idea. I probably can do other things preventatively that are safer than a moat with alligators or ingesting bleach. So, thank you, KSL. That's something you actually put in your article that has merit. How about that? Oh, and then they say drinking lots of water will not flush out the virus. Now, where does this come from? This comes from the idea that the virus could probably be killed in your stomach acid. And that is probably true based on the evidence we have so far. It's not a really strong virus in terms of its ability to handle things in the environment, such as acid and heat. So if the virus dies in acid and you were to get the virus in your mouth by somebody sneezing on you or whatever it is, then drinking water and getting it into your stomach would probably kill it. So I don't know why KSL is telling us that drinking water will not be useful against the virus. It could possibly be useful and it's definitely useful in increasing your body's natural immune defense because hydration is a big deal and therefore it could help to prevent coronavirus, but they say it absolutely will not. Rinsing your nose with saline. That's known as nasal washing or neti pot use. There's a lot of different ways to do it, and maybe you've seen it, where you put some water up one nostril and it comes out the other nostril. That salt water does some interesting things. One is it actually does cleanse things out of the sinuses. If the virus is hanging out there waiting to infect your body, then washing it out would actually prevent coronavirus. Now, I don't know if it will work every single time. In fact, I would guess that it probably will not. Is it harmful? No. Cleaning out your sinuses is not harmful. Is it potentially beneficial? Absolutely, it's potentially beneficial. Is there a good reason not to do it? No. So why are you telling us to stay away from that, KSL? How about garlic? Is garlic going to prevent coronavirus? Well, KSL says it absolutely will not. Well, garlic is naturally antiviral. We know it is from lots of studies. Can it kill COVID? I don't know. There's not a study that proves that it does. There's certainly not a study that proves that it doesn't. Is garlic good for you? Yes, garlic is very good for you. Is it expensive? No, it's not expensive. Could it potentially be helpful? Absolutely. So quit lying to us, KSL. Because that's a bunch of garbage that you're saying it will not. You, you can't say it will not. That's fake news. That's the kind of stuff that makes people say, huh, I don't really trust the media because they lie to me all the time. Well, you're lying to us now. How about vitamin C? Oh, no. Vitamin C. Absolutely vitamin C won't. Vitamin C won't prevent corona. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, that's right. There are three studies in Korea and at least two other studies going on worldwide right now showing really, really excellent evidence that vitamin C may actually kill coronavirus. Really good studies. Actual use in real human patients with actual COVID-19. And maybe vitamin C is the answer. We have a lot of evidence that it could be. We do not know that it is, but we also know that vitamin C has a hundred years of healthy use 
without massive side effects or problems. It's relatively cheap. And why are you trying to tell us not to take it for prevention of coronavirus, KSL? Why? I don't have an answer. I don't know. But I can tell you that these so-called journalists are really getting on my nerves because they make these absolute statements that are absolute BS. And I'm not okay with it, so I'm calling them out. Essential oils, she mentions. Well, are essential oils a problem? I don't know. Not if they're used correctly. They're pretty safe. And if you happen to have the right essential oils, things like oregano and clove and many, 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 many others, they do have antiviral properties. Can they help? Probably. If they're used correctly, can they be part of your preventative regimen? Absolutely. Do they not? Absolutely. Do they not kill coronavirus? I do not know. But I do know that they have other benefits and we should not be discouraging their use at this time. And how about taking medications prescribed for other diseases? Well, I would say that I would never take a medication prescribed for any disease to prevent coronavirus. That's just dumb. And most drugs aren't good for preventative anything anyway. That's not why we have drugs in this country. The idea behind drugs, for the most part, is to treat people who are already ill. So that's one I can be okay with, kind of. But if I did get really sick, I would look into a couple of these drugs that have been suggested, like hydroxychloroquine, because there is information showing that it could be of use. So, one more thing. The last thing, and I love it because it just happens to coincide great with how I started this rant in the first place. Exposing yourself to sun or excessive heat will not, will not prevent coronavirus, she says. Well, that's interesting. That's really, really interesting. Because vitamin D comes from the sun. And exposing myself to the sun increases my vitamin D. And vitamin D absolutely, 100%, unequivocally, is proven to boost my immune response against viruses, as well as bacterias and many other things. So why would exposing myself to the sun not prevent coronavirus? You can't say that. That's a lie. It's a claim that is just as wrong as me saying vitamin C cures coronavirus. Absolutely. I won't say that because I'm not a liar. I try to bring you the truth on Vitality Radio. Try getting that from the local news. Try getting that from the national news. Try just getting the truth every once in a while. It's not so easy, is it? So, before you discount all these alternative things that might help, because some dummy on the local news said that they don't, and then redirected you to the CDC website where all they can give us is hand washing and social distancing? I'm telling you, something's wrong in this country where all they want to do is discount all the things that could help, that don't hurt, that don't cost a fortune, that nobody has a patent on, and they just redirect you to the places where the help is of little value or merit, like the CDC website. I'm done. I'm done being even a little bit nice about this. These journalists have to be called out because they're dumb and or crooked. 
and I'm sick of it. So stop it. Stop telling me what won't work when you don't know that it won't and there's evidence that it might. Because we have a country, many of which living in fear and listening to you and thinking you have the answers because you go to the quality resources such as the CDC for those answers. And yet you discount every answer that's out there that actually has merit because it isn't a drug. Because you happen to get most of your advertising budget from drug companies. You have a conflict of interest and you lie to cover all that up. And I'm tired of it. And I hope you listening to me are tired of it as well. I'm going to cut to a break. When I come back, I have half an hour to share with you some of the most exciting news I've ever found in the 12 years that I've done Vitality Radio. I can't wait to share it with you. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. After decades of helping people with their nutritional supplement needs, I have observed something that seems almost universal. People seem to have a lot of products that they have experimented with. Some might have been recommended by a blogger online, others from a magazine article, and yet another by a friend or family member. Information is coming at us at a rapid pace nowadays, and everyone has an opinion. The problem is that there is only one really big wild card in health and nutrition, and that wild card is you. I know you've heard the infomercials, seen the ads, or talked to that neighbor who has that cure-all product that can do it all for your health. The problem is that supplement doesn't exist. What's right for your neighbor isn't always right for you. At Vitality Nutrition, we've been asking the right questions for years. What I mean by this is, we don't just sell supplements, we consult with our clients and ask them the key questions needed to make sure we match the right supplement to the right person. If you feel better about a team approach to your health, give us a call and one of our well-educated Vitality team members will answer your questions and help you find just what it is that you need to address your health concerns, naturally. You can reach us at 801-292-6662, that's 801-292-6662, or drop us an email, info at vitalityradiopod.com, that's info at vitalityradiopod.com. All right, welcome back to Vitality Radio. I have taken a deep breath. I'm going to take another one. That rant was uh, got me a little heated. I'm just so tired of the lies. I'm tired of the propaganda. It's driving me crazy, and I hope it is you too. I really hope that if the one thing comes out of this COVID madness is a bunch more Americans wake up and say, oh my gosh, they're trying to pull, pull the wool over my eyes, then if that's the outcome, it might almost be worth it. We'll see. Now, I promised you before the break and at the beginning of the show that I had some really, really cool, amazing, groundbreaking information for you, and I do. So the next half hour is going to be spent on blood sugar, blood pressure, and heart disease. I'm lumping those together for good reason, and I'll explain in a minute how we're going to do this. First, who is at risk of heart disease? Well, heart disease is responsible for the most deaths worldwide for both men and women of all races. In 2016, 28.2 million U.S. adults were diagnosed with heart disease. That's according to the American Heart Association. In 2015, nearly 634,000 people died of heart disease, making it the leading cause of death. 
According to the American Heart Association, approximately every 40 seconds, an American will have a heart attack. The estimated annual incidence of heart attacks in the U.S. is 720,000 new heart attacks and 335,000 recurrent heart attacks. That's about a million every year. That's a pretty crazy high number. So how are diabetes and heart disease linked? Well, the following statistics speak loud and clear that there is a strong correlation between cardiovascular disease and diabetes. At least 68% of people age 65 or older with diabetes die from some form of heart disease, and 16% of those die from stroke. Adults with diabetes are two to four times more likely to die from heart disease than adults without diabetes. The American Heart Association considers diabetes to be one of the seven major controllable risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Now, something I've neglected to put a lot of time into researching is an herbal compound called berberine. Berberine is found in several herbs, but it has been isolated and researched, and the research is blowing my mind. And I don't say that lightly. I get excited about research on herbs all the time. You hear me talk about it on Vitality Radio all the time. But what I'm reading about berberine is wow kind of stuff, like really wow kind of stuff. In fact, before I recorded this show, I sent out the highlights of what I came up with in my research to my team at Vitality Nutrition. And the response I got back from the first person that responded was, wow, it is. It's a big flipping wow and I'm excited to share it with you. So get this. In one study of 116 diabetic patients, one gram, 1,000 milligrams of berberine per day, that would be two capsules, by the way, lowered fasting blood sugar by 20% from 126 to 101. That is from a diabetic level to a normal level. That's a big deal. It also lowered hemoglobin A1C by 12%. That's a marker for long-term blood sugar levels and also improved blood lipids like cholesterol and triglycerides. And we'll get into that in just a minute. Now, a lot of people get confused about these numbers. So let's talk about A1C a little bit. For people without diabetes, the normal range for A1C is between 4 and 5.6%. For people uh, that are at 57 to 6.4%, it means they have a higher chance of getting diabetes or would be considered pre-diabetic. Levels of 6.5 or higher mean you have diabetes. So according to the studies done on berberine and A1C uh, at 900 to 1500 milligrams daily, if you had 6.5, meaning that of your, your A1C is at 6.5, meaning you are technically diabetic, the shift down with berberine would be to 5.7, which would literally put you at the very cusp of not even pre-diabetes, right at the beginning of pre-diabetes as far as the number go. That's amazing. Now, according to a big review of 14 different studies, berberine is as effective as oral diabetes drugs, including metformin, uh, glipizide, and ros... I never can say this one. Rosiglitazone. Rosiglitazone. Yeah. I, these drug names drive me mad. Anyway, it works very well with lifestyle modifications and also has additive effects when administered with other blood sugar-lowering drugs. I love that because a lot of people are either not getting there with their drugs or they're concerned about adding something to their drugs, and yet in the studies it shows that using it with the drugs is not only safe but enhances the effectiveness. 
My hope would be that people would be able to get from their drugs to just berberine, and that would be the, the big goal, and I'll explain why that's a big deal here in a minute. Now, there, those are just highlights from a few studies and one meta-analysis, but there was a bigger meta-analysis done, and, and why do I love meta-analysis? If you're not familiar with that term, it just means they take a bunch of studies, lump them all together, throw out the stuff that doesn't make sense, and take the stuff that has the best science, and then they lump them all together and say, what does this all mean, really? Okay. There was a major meta-analysis done on 27 different studies. These came from multiple English databases, including PubMed, Science Direct, Cochrane Library, uh, and also multiple Chinese databases. The results were they had 27 randomized controlled trials, uh, and they included almost 2,600 patients. There are seven subgroups in our meta-analysis. These are those. Berberine versus placebo, or berberine with intensive lifestyle intervention versus intensive lifestyle intervention alone. Berberine combined with oral uh, hypoglycemic versus hypoglycemic alone. Berberine versus oral hypoglycemic, meaning blood sugar drugs. Uh, berberine combined with oral lipid-lowering drugs, meaning cholesterol drugs, or versus uh, cholesterol drugs alone. Berberine versus cholesterol drugs and berberine combined with uh, high blood pressure medications or berberine alone or berberine <laughs> with uh, intensive um, lifestyle changes plus high blood pressure meds. So they got a bunch of different versions that they had to put together. But what's amazing is when they took all that research and boiled it all down, this is what it said about berberine. In the treatment of type 2 diabetes, we found that berberine with lifestyle intervention that's going to include diet changes and walking. Uh, tended to lower the level of fasting glucose, post-meal glucose, and A1C. Uh, better than lifestyle intervention alone or placebo. There was no statistical significance between berberine and oral blood sugar drugs such as glucophage, also known as metformin. Now, that is really, really important. I want to verify with you what I just said. There is no statistical significance between how berberine hurt, helped with blood sugar versus glucophage or metformin. That's a big deal because metformin is a long-term drug, most likely lifelong. As with all drugs, it has side effects, but recently some newer and scarier potential side effects have crept up. It blocks vitamin B12 absorption, which causes anemia or low iron, which can cause fatigue and a whole bunch of other issues, and causes nerve damage, leading to neuropathy, which is already a concern with diabetes. More concerning, though, especially for me, is that metformin has been linked to dementia. In large-scale study over 12 years done in Taiwan, individuals who took metformin had significantly higher incidence of Parkinson's disease and dementia. In fact, the incidence increased with higher doses and longer use of metformin. One of the most alarming things is that these increases started at just 300 days of continuous use. That's less than a year, and most people are on metformin for decades. So, of course, we don't want to be on metformin lifelong, but if that's the only option we think we have, which, of course, is the standard of care in America, then what are we going to do? This is where you've got to do your homework. And I've done some of it for you, but I would highly recommend that you dig into this information on berberine because if you are on metformin right now, you should be talking to your doctor or your pharmacist 
or both about the possibility of including berberine with it or at, or potentially switching berberine out for uh, or, or metformin out for berberine. Because in the clinical studies done across 2,600 people in 27 studies, it looks incredibly promising. Now, again, I mentioned talk to your doctor, talk to your pharmacist, because we are talking about blood sugar. We do have to be careful what you're doing with your blood sugar. But if I were in your shoes, I would 100% be looking at this as an alternative. And uh, boy, it's just exciting. Now, how about this? What about hyperlipidemia? That's also known as high cholesterol. Berberine with lifestyle intervention was better than lifestyle intervention alone. Berberine with high cholesterol drugs or statins was better than statin drugs alone. In reducing the levels of total cholesterol, LDL, which is known as the bad cholesterol, and raising the level of HDL, which is the good cholesterol. In the comparative study between berberine and statin drugs, there was no statistical significance in reducing the level of total cholesterol and LDL cholesterol, but berberine shows better effect in lowering the level of triglycerides and raising the level of HDL, good cholesterol. So not only, not only did it work just as well on getting the numbers that you want down, down, but it was better at getting the number you want up, up. That is huge, huge news. If you've listened to me much at all, you've probably heard me talking about how I despise statin drugs. They're dangerous, like really dangerous. And the research from another meta-analysis done by the Cochrane Institute shows that they don't help all that much in preventing heart attacks and stroke. It's estimated that you need 250 people to take a statin drug for 10 years for one person to avoid a heart attack or stroke. So we know they're dangerous and we know they're not all that effective in terms of preventing heart attacks, although they are very effective in reducing cholesterol. But according to these studies, so is berberine. But one of the things that's really interesting, and any doctor who's working with patients on this would concur with this statement, I think, is that when people are on statin drugs, it's not hard to get their total cholesterol down, and it's not hard to get their LDL down, but it's very difficult to get their HDL up much. In fact, in many cases, it comes down with the others, meaning the good cholesterol is also paying a price because of that drug. But in the case of berberine, the good cholesterol tends to elevate. Also, triglycerides are tough with statins. They don't always come down very well. But apparently, according to the research I'm seeing, triglycerides do come down well with berberine. That is awesome information. If I were on a statin drug, I'd be talking to my doctor and my pharmacist about this. Is this something I could switch to? Especially if your levels are at a quote-unquote healthy range because of the drug, can you maintain them with berberine or possibly garlic or some of the other things that have been shown to be very effective with this? Berberine looks incredibly promising for that. In the treatment of hypertension, otherwise known as high blood pressure, berberine with lifestyle intervention tended to lower the level of blood pressure more than the lifestyle intervention alone or placebo did. The same occurred when berberine combined with oral blood pressure meds was compared to the same blood pressure meds alone. This is also so exciting. Not only was it effective on its own, but it even increased the blood pressure lowering in individuals also using meds. Now, it's common 
I hear it all the time from customers at Vitality Nutrition. I'm on this blood pressure med, or I'm on both of these, or I'm on these three, or I'm on four. I've heard all those things from people. For blood pressure, my blood pressure still won't come down to the normal range, or it took this many drugs to get it there. I have a lot of issues with blood pressure drugs as well, in particular lisinopril, one of the most common ones. And then the other blood pressure drugs that are one of the first lines of defense are diuretics, which by their very nature, don't make sense for a healthy heart because they push more water out of the cells. And by pushing more water out through the body, you're pushing more minerals out. And when you push more minerals out, you're weakening the body's, the heart's ability to do what it needs to do because electrolytes are critical to proper heart function. So we know that there's issues with these hyper, uh, hypertension drugs, and we also know that they don't always work very well. And according to this research, berberine may work just as well as these do. And if you are on a drug for blood pressure that's not getting you where you need to be, adding berberine could get you there, while at the same time having these happy effects on your cholesterol and on your blood sugar. I mean, this stuff is truly amazing. I'm so excited about this. So the dangers of uh, lisinopril, if you aren't aware, uh, in short-term use, but especially long-term use, chronic hacking cough, sudden swelling of the tongue and throat to the point of some people having to be given tracheotomies. And that can happen after years of use when it didn't happen in the early going. There's a lot of news about lisinopril out there. And all of these drugs, all of these drugs that we're talking about, the statin drugs, the blood sugar drugs, metformin, lisinopril, and diuretics, they all have their side effects. And what I want to read to you from PubMed itself, the CDC's own website for studies on this kind of thing, it says, notably, no serious adverse reaction was reported in any of the 27 experiments. Their conclusion was this. This study indicates that berberine has comparable therapeutic effects on type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure, with no serious side effects. Considering the relatively low cost compared to other first-line medicine and treatment, Berberine might be a good alternative for low socioeconomic status patients to treat type 2 diabetes, high cholesterol, and high blood pressure over a long time period. Now, <laughs> why is medicine so broken in this country? I have my theories, and I think I'm right, and it has a whole lot to do with money. So, why do the study's authors at the end say it works just as well, it has no side effects, and it's cheap compared to these drugs, so maybe it's good for poor people? <laughs> what does that even mean? What are they talking about? They do all this amazing work with this meta-analysis and come up with this unbelievable conclusion that almost sounds too good to be true. And then they say, eh, maybe we should use it for poor people because it's cheaper than the expensive drugs. But let's let the people who are insured and rich afford these expensive drugs because, well, it is what it is. That's where we get our research money from. 
So let's throw out that last sentence. It might be good for low socioeconomic status patients. And let's just say it might be good for everybody. Berberine is amazing. I am so excited. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, doing this research, studying this, looking into it in the the, uh, time that I took and I spent hours looking into this, I'm starting on berberine. I'm a 47-year-old guy who has no major history of diabetes or or heart disease in my family, but it's what most of us die from. And there's all kinds of just amazing benefits to this stuff. It's also naturally anti-inflammatory. I didn't even list all the other kind of side benefits, but it's something I'm going to do. And I don't even have a specific reason to do it, but it just looks too impressive. The research is too impressive. And the fact that you can take two or three capsules a day of something that'll cost you like 20 to 30 bucks for a month's supply, nobody has a patent on it. I would be a little cautious. I did a little bit of research, looked around. There are a lot of berberine supplements. In fact, it's really common, especially online, I noticed, to list a 1,200 milligram berberine. Well, you can't fit 1,200 milligrams of berberine in a capsule. So when you look at the fine print, there's two capsules contain 1,200 milligrams. And in most cases, they didn't even contain 1,200 milligrams of berberine. They contained a total of 1,200 milligrams, usually mixed with cinnamon or something like that. Now, cinnamon's good. There's nothing wrong with taking cinnamon. But make sure when you're looking at your berberine, you're getting a pure berberine supplement or at least that you're getting a supplement that allows you to get to 900 to 1500 milligrams of berberine per day in an easy way. The most common one that that I've seen in the brands that we've carried at Vitality is just simply 500 milligrams per capsule. So real simple, you take two of those, you're at 1000, you take three, you're at 1500. And like I said, it's not expensive. They even specifically mention that in the conclusion of the study. And according to the authors of this study, comparing it with every other possible combination of drugs and lifestyle changes, drugs alone, lifestyle changes alone, berberine alone, berberine with lifestyle changes, berberine with drugs, berberine with drugs and lifestyle changes, no matter how they sliced it, berberine was as effective or more effective than the drugs or the lifestyle changes and even more effective with lifestyle changes. And in some cases, in the case of blood pressure, sometimes better with the drug. So talk to your doctor, talk to your pharmacist if you're on these drugs or if you're borderline on your blood pressure or your cholesterol or your uh, blood sugar and you've been told that you may need to medicate for those things in the near future. Look into berberine. It's incredibly safe. It's very inexpensive and it appears to be absolutely phenomenal stuff. All right, so that's it for the berberine topic. I've got just a few minutes to wrap up here, and then I'm going to have to go for another episode of Vitality Radio. We'll wrap up. Vitality Radio, always brought to you by Vitality Nutrition and Bountiful, 107 South, 500 West. You can call us at 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662 if you want to talk to us about berberine, if you want to talk to us about what's going on with all this COVID stuff. If you want to talk to us about some of the things that you've heard might be misinformation on the news and you want to know if they really are or not, 
give us a call. We'll talk to you about any of it. We sure love having people who listen to Vitality Radio call us and talk about it. I appreciate you. If you love what you hear on Vitality Radio, go tell somebody about it. And please visit VitalityRadio.com. Now, it's a site in progress. But all the shows are there. Soon there will be access to a couple of ebooks that I'm currently writing and some other good stuff there as well. We'd love to have you jump on to vitalityradio.com also. Thank you so much for listening to me. I appreciate it. I hope this news was relevant to you and useful. If it's relevant to friends and family, tell them about the podcast and get the information out to them. You have been listening to me. My name is Jared St. Clair, and this is Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair, produced by elizabeth joy windham with very limited help from jared our awesome music is by brian bob young Support Vitality Radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or your favorite podcast source. Don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Hello, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Vitality Radio. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast has not been evaluated by the FDA. This podcast is provided with the understanding that the information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a medical professional. Thank you.